You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the show. We are into our number two. Live in the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. Hour one of The Big Show. Going to be up real soon. Wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, or Google. Hear the morning report on your way into work. Lovely stuff. Uh, here, I want to park a little bit of time to talk about the Calgary Flames, Patrick, mm, because sure. I don't know if we have really talked about the Flames much over the last couple of weeks since I've been really back. No. Now, granted, <laughs> it's not like they've been doing a lot. No. Still feels like we should park a little bit of times for, uh, you know, the local hockey heroes, as sure. Rob Kerr used to say. Yes. Um, we are still taking your texts at 960-960. The boys in the back room are frantically working to produce <laughs> audio clips as well as your texts uh, as far as uh, lyrics that you misheard in songs. And uh, at the end of the show, we're going to give away uh, a couple of passes to go see the like, new Gran Turismo film. Like, there's a few, but like, yeah, it's it's literally the top text right now is is, is the one I was going to say. Yeah, uh, which I still think you can say. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But don't say it now because nope. then you'll spoil it. Exactly. You don't want to take any credit away um, from Frank. No. Uh, yeah. There's a. There's a. Yeah. Like Purple Haze is one mm-hmm. uh, that you, you messed up on maybe as a kid. Like, why would he say that? But yeah, <laughs> you just go back and look. No, it's not what he said. You just have to pay attention. You know, it's the way they recorded it. Sometimes some mm-hmm. an accents. If they've mm-hmm. got an accent, it can come through yep. differently. So yeah. Yeah, slur in your words because they're rock stars and sometimes they're intoxicated. Could be. Maybe. Um, Calgary Flames, the, the season continues to inch closer and closer. Uh, they'll probably be having their golf tournament relatively quick. Yes. You know, development camp has come and gone. It's always right after the draft. Um, and we'll get ready for the preseason for this club. They've got a lot of questions still. I think the biggest one for me is how much longer is Noah Hannafin going to be a member of the Calgary Flames? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. More so than Elias Lindholm and and Michael Backlund. I've kind of talked about it the last little week here, but I don't expect Elias Lindholm to necessarily come to a decision mm-hmm. until he has a better idea of what he's actually signing himself up That's for. Fair. Um, and I think that's very fair to both Lindholm and Michael Backlund if well, he exactly. wants to go that route too. Yeah, these are two guys that, especially for for Backlund, this is the last, maybe the last big contract he'll sign. Maybe not that big, but well, the I last, think it's the last one, last contract probably. he might sign. He's going to be thirty five. Yeah, and this is Lindholm's last time to really break the bank, probably as an NHLer. And of course, he's you want to be going to get a seven or eight year deal yeah. that'll take him to when he's thirty five. Yeah, so you you want to be set yourself up in a situation that is good for your family, good for you good for for just ahead where is this team headed obviously with the moves that they've made and and they haven't made they they obviously still have, have, have the 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 idea of wanting to be a playoff team this year uh, that last year was a an aberration that it was a just a flash in the pan that that Markstrom will be back that the that the problem is out of the room and they'll be back in the contending for a Pacific Division playoff spot taking Noah Hannafin out of the situation and if you're not going to replace him right away, if you're mm-hmm. just going to take on futures or something like that, I don't know how much you're going to get in the way of that. He's a, he's a guy one year away from free agency. And if you're going to, of course, if you can send him to a place that can have an extension ready for him, that might obviously increase the the return for you. But if mm-hmm. you're just sending him away for, 
just for the hell of it to, I don't know, the Dallas Stars for summer, just whatever, just randomly picking a team, you have to think, okay, well, we're not going to be able to replace Hannafin right away. With, with Obviously, with our moves of Jordan Osterley and Dennis Gilbert, those guys aren't ready to be, you know, aren't, you know, 82 games every year type players. They're mm-hmm. filling their seven, seven, eighth defensemen, six, seven, eight defensemen. So if you're going to trade Noah Hannafin, it's got to be for something that, obviously keeps you in the type of mode that the Flames, especially at this time of year, because at this time of the calendar, you're not tearing it down. You're not mm-hmm. tearing it down in August. You would have done this at the draft if it was really the direction you wanted to go in. So if you're moving Hannafin, you're moving him out for a player that can help you right away. And I just don't know if that's out there right now. Well, it has to be a defenseman, too. Yeah, of course. Who's right, going to be giving up a, a right defenseman now. that's uh, 25, 27 years old well, in, in age similarity? For I also a, don't think it has to be an age similarity thing. Okay. As long as it's a good enough defenseman and mm-hmm. the term isn't something that you balk at, I I don't necessarily think that it has to be someone who is young and on the upswing. Like as long as you're not hitching yourself for a six, seven, eight year deal, yeah, something I, like two years, yeah, left. a couple of seasons, yeah. by all means, yeah. you can take out a free agency if he's good. You feel like you want to resign him, fine, or you can mm-hmm. probably trade him. But that would be something that I'm definitely looking for in the deal of Hannafin. But to me, like it, it all comes back to Backlund and Lindholm, mm-hmm. and how does the season start? Mm-hmm. And the season's going to be difficult to start, like road just trip. based on the fact that you know, while it's it's always road trips at the beginning of the year, and you always got to go out to the east and and see how things end up looking out there. And the Flames obviously had the uh, couple seasons ago they had the the jump on the Eastern Conference early on, and they were able to ride that into a playoff spot and ultimately win their division. That was a couple of years back. Things are different Let's now. Quick look at Eric Carlson. Second game of the year. Boom. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to host the Jets. We don't know what they'll look like. And then it's out to the Eastern Conference. Penguins, Capitals, Sabres, Blue Jackets, and Red Wings. Yeah, they'll visit Pittsburgh. And then they'll get to go visit uh, Mitch Love and uh, Matthew Phillips in Washington. Kirk Muller. Kirk Muller as well. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't visit Mitch Love because mm. didn't. I don't know. Which job did he take? He took the assistant job in Washington. Yeah, he's not their AHL head coach. No, he's no. the assistant. Yeah. Kirk Muller and Mitch Love are both on that staff yeah. now. And uh, that would be fun to watch. Yeah. But th- this it's going to be another situation where you have to be ready to hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. You know, They'll have this full training camp with this group of players, which, like we talked about earlier in the offseason, has not changed much. You've no. essentially added Yegor Sharangovich and Oliver Shillington is coming back. And yeah. you expect Matthew Coronado and Jacob Helche to be more of a group number one rather than group two or group I, I, three I, in training camp type guys. I forgot. Like I, We say take out Hannafin. I, I totally blanked that, that Oliver Shillington will be back in this lineup as but well. But that makes six. Yeah. Right? Like you if still, you take out yeah. Hannafin, then it's down to five. Yeah. Because, it, you know. You still need to replace him with an NA, with a decent NHL body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you this can't. Is, I don't think you can say Dennis Gilbert's had, your guy for, for the six starting. Yeah, right? Like, and... and or Austerly. Dennis Gilbert can come in and be a seventh Hell defenseman yeah. every once in a while. Be on my team any day. As oh, a seven? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, is he someone that you want in your lineup every day if you actually do have playoff hopes? No. No, I would argue not so much. No. But with Shillington back and you know Zadorov and Tanev and Hannafin mm-hmm. and Anderson and Weger, that's a solid six. Mm-hmm. You know, you're probably going to have to make some changes as the year goes on, but that's Ain't a good place to stop, for sure, to yeah. start. I just, I'm so fascinated for training camp to get underway and just to see some of the players 
mentalities, yeah. I guess. I think a lot of guys be want a word to, because a, I think everybody left here pretty sour. Yeah, I think everybody wants to prove to themselves that yeah, we we they, we we got our tra- we got our changes. Time to put it to to work now. Cuz this was a very good team, not, you know, obviously two players were not a not a part of this group anymore. But you're you're expecting that Jonathan Huberto is going to not have that season like he did a year ago. That he is can be that 70-point guy, 80-point guy. I don't think Kadri's going to, you know, I don't think Kadri's going to have a, a totally, like, he was great start last year, probably the best flame through October, and then completely fell off the wagon. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that it was one of those things where mm-hmm. kind of looked at it and went, oh boy, I don't know if this is going to work. And things did not go well with the kid coach, and... Yeah, and, and it when, just continued to deteriorate. And when you're losing the games the way they did, be it the one goal games, the shootouts, uh, blown leads, the blown leads early on, early, blown leads, yeah, like the or the quick goals to get like get marks from right off, and you're right by, you're chasing right off the bat. It's it, it all all the things that could go wrong, save for maybe the injury situation last year, mm-hmm. went wrong for the Calgary Flames. And just with sheer luck and just the way the world works, you're expecting them to bounce back, but. Is this team, is this team a, a true like? I think it can be a, a team that can be between ninety and ninety six points probably, sure. and fight for that. Uh, be it a third plus, third spot in the Pacific or that one of them wild card spots. Like that's where they are. I'm interested to see what Yager Sharon Govich can do. This is a guy that can play all positions along the forwards. Mm-hmm. He's a young guy who who has scored twenty goals, had a down year last year, scratched in the playoffs. Everyone who's been around the devil speaks pretty highly of him though. He's got skill, hell of a shot. We talk mm-hmm. we've talked about to nauseum throughout the summer. It's a guy that I think is is gonna help out. You are replacing your top score though. Like with, with like it, 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 you're taking thirty goals out of the lineup, obviously with Tyler DeFoley, but you're something like Kadri to bounce back and Huberto to bounce back and we'll see what Coronado can do if he's given a shot at this team and Jacob Pelche with a full year run and obviously these guys aren't the you know we don't know what Coronado is in the NHL level we don't think Pelche is a 30 goal guy but if he's a 20 goal guy sure or just serviceable just a serviceable third NHL, line yeah. shutdown winger who yeah. can score a few goals every once in a while and just bring that energy to the room and the bench I don't think yeah. that's Kind of an understated element of what Jacob Pelche brings to the lineup, and mm-hmm. especially as you kind of turn over a new leaf here with the organization as far as the coaching staff and the front office goes, mm-hmm. I just think it's one of those things that you put an emphasis on having a guy like that around to kind of keep things light mm-hmm. and be al- be able to almost really flush last year, yep. right? Like you, you don't want that to be like it's a gone. big talking everything point. that 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 you think went into last year is gone. Flush it. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Now you're expecting Jacob Markstrom to be better. He has to be better. Mm-hmm. He has to be a big bounce back candidate for the Flames to have any sort of success this year. Is he? Does he have that in his career still? Does he still have that in him? We'll see. I think he does. I've said it a lot on this show. I, I You are a big defender of, of Markstrom. You <laughs> I do, am. You, you, do, you do think he can be a big bounce back candidate because he was just the Vezina runner-up two years ago. And he had a very good end to the season, mm-hmm. right? He was better. He did like win that. Like when Daryl said, "Somebody's got to take a, take this and run with it." It was Markstrom. <laughs> yeah, and no. As much as it as much as it got messy at points with that, it got with very that whole messy. goaltending thing. Oh, it's Ladar. Oh, well, it's, somebody's got to do it. And that's another thing. This goaltending, the 
the, as George puts it, the champagne problems of having three uh, capable NHL goaltenders now with Dustin Wolf into the fold. And I don't, and I don't think it's a big problem because I think, hey, if, if Dustin Wolf has to start and start uh, start with the Wranglers, he's starting with the Wranglers. There's nothing he can do about it. I guess. But of course, that's what does that do for the developmental side of things? This guy's done everything he can do in the AHL. Everyone's clamoring to see him at this at the NHL level now. So we'll see. And then well, you got Dan Vladar, who I think. Well, his contract just clicked in, and, and Toronto made it, might have been a candidate for him to be traded to, but that's not going to happen anymore now, it seems, that Martin Jones. Maybe an injury crops up mm-hmm. from somebody. Vladar would be a cheap option for someone as well. well. And, and I just wonder what the Flames want to do with Vladar. Yeah, exactly. Right? They like, could totally still love Vladar. Well, and, and I think that they would, but the other thing here, too, is that like I've, something that I've always brought up is your return on investment is probably not going to be no. what you made. No, no way near. It was a third round pick they gave up for Dan Vladar, and you just look at the way the goalie market has gone of late. Mm-hmm. It's messy. I, it's you're not probably going to get a third round pick back. No. Um, or maybe they would have done it at the draft, right? Maybe they would have. Mm-hmm. That being said, like you mentioned, goalies can be fickle. You. Because I it's I don't want to run no I don't like the three goalie system not no. not with a team that tries to be a contender or want to be a playoff team it just doesn't work out especially because you want to give an equal amount to the guy you're yeah. really trying to bring along who's your best prospect and Dustin Wolf like it worked in Buffalo last year because they were like ah we're kind of chasing a playoff yeah, spot but, but just, not really we're just mostly just so like our players and our fans like yeah. in reality we know we don't really have much of a chance mm-hmm. and Craig Anderson is an amazing dude to have around Uko Pekka Lukanen yep. and whoever else Devin Levi have. yeah Devin Levi mind yeah. in the net there so yeah. they have, there's uh, situations Eric where it makes as well sense. in Buffalo yeah they've so. got their fair share of yeah. net minders there but. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting kind of look to the season. My biggest question is Noah uh, Hannafin, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. But I also am fascinated to see what Mark Savard brings to the power play. Mm-hmm. This was a uh, That was a unit that obviously took its lumps last year, taking two big players out of it. But with said, it wasn't run very well. It was not a good no. unit on this special teams. The special teams is such a big part in this league. And if you're better on your penalty kill and you're better on your power play, you're going to be successful. The penalty kill is fine. But the power play, yeah, it needs to be better. I think Mark Savard, obviously, bringing his offensive minded yeah, into the game. I'm huge fan. Like, Jonathan Huberto, I think, is going to be a genius on this power play. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a great distributor of the puck. He's going to be that quarterback that they need off the wings or wherever they want to line him up. Sure. He's going to be big, and I think Savard will help his game out. Savard, I think, is going to help Jonathan Huberto. He's going to help out the whole forward group. It's going to be big. I'm excited to watch him, and, and just even hearing the conversation he had here on the morning show, Back a few weeks back, early on in July. If you didn't listen to that conversation, all the podcasts are up, Google, Spotify, or Amazon. You can actually just search in Mark Savard, The yep. Big Show, and it'll take you right to the link uh, online. So I um, recommend you check that one out. If you haven't heard the chat with the new assistant coach for the Calgary Flames, she's going to be helping run the power play, working with some of the forwards as well. Um, fascinating to see how much offense can this team produce because, you know, that's the one thing you, you – Sometimes teams go into the offseason mm-hmm. and they say one thing, this is what we really need to fix. Like, for example, the Blue Jays. Last offseason, uh, run prevention and left-handed bats. Yep. What did they go out and do? Run prevention, left-handed bats. They got them. And they're seeing success in both of those kind of mm-hmm. categories now this season. For the Flames, I think the one thing that they had to address going into the offseason was goal scoring. How do you put the puck in the net? How do you make this more exciting and more fun, mm-hmm. not only for the fans, but for the players and ultimately 
win more hockey And that games. coaching staff will be the number one part in that. And I'm not saying that you have to keep up to the Oilers in a 9-7 game mm-hmm. because he's, uh, that's not necessarily a blueprint for this feasible. team. You no. don't have the superstar player to do that. You don't have a 97 or a 29, but mm-hmm. you have a damn good roster. Mm-hmm. And if you go in with a plan, I think this is a team that will be able to score more goals and than they did I last year. I think another guy that is 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 candidate for a bounce back is Andrew Mangiapane. 100%. This was a guy who two years ago scored a ton at the start of the year. He, yeah. he was going to score. He was on pace 50, maybe 45. Were, it felt like any time they played a road is game, Is this Alex Dabrinkit? Yeah. Or do we have Alex Dabrinkit on this team? Yeah. But... You know, he kind of faded. Thirty-five bingos. He faded at the end of the little end of twenty-two. A lot of those goals came on the road, and then last year, he really, it really kind of just dried up for Andrew Mangiapane. Mm-hmm. I think that's guy, another guy that has a huge contract to live up to, and I think he's got to be a lot of pressure on him this year as well. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I could talk about Andrew Mangiapane a little bit more, but we have to get to the break. Yes. Um, we ran out of time to get to your text, but please keep sending them in because we're going to do it at eight forty-five. And uh, if your text is in now, you're still very much eligible to win, even if you can't listen when we do the contest. So uh, appreciate all your texts. We're taking uh, texts on uh, <laughs> misheard song lyrics. Alton Pepper. You give it. love <laughs> a bad name. Uh, That's Bon Jovi. <laughs> As Dana White was listing 90s hip-hop artists. That'd be Mike. Uh, we'll take a break. <laughs> our, our next guest is an exciting one. He's going to be here in Calgary. Maybe he's already here. Probably traveling soon. John Daly. One of the most iconic players to ever tee it up on the PGA Tour. Going to be joining us around the corner mm-hmm. and joining uh, Canyon Meadows for the Shot Charity Classic coming up this weekend. We'll chat all about that around the corner. Sports at 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Big show, Russick and Rose. George will be back tomorrow. My name is Matt Rose. Patty Dumas sits opposite me. and very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. To chat with our next guest, I believe he joined us last year ahead of the Shaw Charity Classic as well. John Daly joins us right now. Good morning, John. How's it going? Good. How you guys doing? So far, so good. We got no complaints. Uh, are you back in Calgary already or a little bit of a, a later arrival for you this week? No, we're here. I'm out here at the course. Oh, incredible stuff. How's it looking so far down there at Canyon Meadows? Well, it looks beautiful, and I'm, I'm hoping Friday the weather changes, and Saturday I hope it changes, and Sunday I hope it changes. <laughs> it does look like it might get a little bit sticky out there for sure. Um, you've been to the Shaw Charity Classic before. Just uh, how big of a tournament is this for you on the Champions calendar? Well, it's just a great old traditional golf course. The players love it. The greens are always good. The course is always in great shape, and you know, Sean and his staff here at Shaw do such a great job, and the pros are awesome. And the, you know, everything's just great. They take really good care of us. And, you know, I just look at what they do for the charity, 272 charities. They raise millions and millions of dollars for this community, and it's just a great bunch of people. Just We just have a great time coming here. What do you think of the fans up here in Canada? Are they different from fans that might be down at some of the tournaments in the U.S.? We get a lot of them out here. I mean, the I love the Canadians. I've always hmm. been... I've always loved them. I've always loved this country. It's just so beautiful. And we play so many great golf courses throughout the years, you know, even on the regular tour, you know, how the RBC moves a little bit and uh, mm-hmm. courses all over the country. And it's just all the skins game I've played in, all the great resorts I've seen. I mean, got some great golf courses in Canada. Unfortunately, you just can't play them long enough because of the weather. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And hopefully it doesn't affect uh, the weekend here for your group. Uh, who are some of your favorites to get out there and tee it up with on the Champions Tour these days? 
Uh, my usual, Michael Allen, Lumpy. Uh, hmm. um, yeah, you got me on the spot here. There's about 20 of us. We always try and hang out and do, do a lot of things together out here. You know, my buddies from the tour, you know, my two my best, best friends, you know, aren't all out here anymore. Fuzzy and Sadler and Mahaffey and all those guys. I miss them. But, uh, you know, I got some pretty good buddies out here. We're all pretty good close out here. I mean, we've seen it. We've done it. You know, we play this tour. I play it more, probably more relaxed than most, but uh, hmm. I just want to come out and enjoy the game. I, I'm still competitive, but, you know, I just, I just, I still just love golf. And, you know, if you get in the hunt, it gets, it gets the adrenaline going, but uh, I come out just relax and play the game that I love so much. How much has your kind of competitive nature changed from now compared to uh, back when, you know, you were winning major titles on the PGA Tour? I've accepted my age. <laughs> how important is that at this point well you can only do what you can do i mean you know we got to work on our short game more and more i mean this tour i still think has has the best if closest to the best short game of of any tour i mean these guys watching some of these guys still hit from 120 yards in and hmm. some of these guys the way they putt i mean it's incredible i know we don't play the length of golf courses that the tour plays but I tell you what, I'd take our top 10 against the PJ's top 10 and 120 yards and in. Hmm. I like that a lot. Who are some of your favorite players to watch on tour these days? I'm, I'm you know, I love Rami. I love uh, uh, Rick. I'm so happy Ricky Fowler won. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, just the guys, Justin Thomas, the guys that are up top. I mean, I follow Jordan Spieth. Um, you know, just the guys that uh, I kind of got to meet before I kind of left the tour and uh, when they were coming up. And uh, it's just great to see how powerful and strong golf is right now. Uh, everybody uh, has taken, uh, I guess, notice of your son as well, who is kind of following in your footsteps with golf. How cool has it been to kind of share your profession, your passion uh, with your son? My son always says, just have your A game for the PNC. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need, hey? Just the one tournament of the year where you got to be dialed in? Yeah, but uh, no, it's great. I mean, he's having a great time at the University of Arkansas. His grades are good, and and this year he's uh, we've lost a lot of guys, so he's probably going to be kind of one, two, or three. I'm hoping and play his career out three more years. He's getting um, he's getting a, I think he's getting a major in uh, sports management, and he may get a business degree. So mm. proud of him for what he works really hard at it, and his grades are good. That's mm. even. Even more important. Yeah, 100%. And, hey, he's pretty good with the sticks as well. Uh, John, I know we don't have a ton of time today. you got uh, some golfing to get to down there at Canyon Meadows. Uh, enjoy the week. Enjoy the weekend. I know a lot of people are very excited to uh, see you tee it up this weekend. Uh, I, I saw you there last weekend. I saw you hit a perfect sand shot to within just a couple inches of the stick, and I will never forget it. So uh, I guess thank you for that, and enjoy the weekend. You got it. Thank we all. For all the players, we want to thank Shaw for all their support and what they do for us, and and thank you guys. Yeah, not a, not a problem. There you go. That is uh, John Daly, championship golfer, two uh, time yeah. two time major winner. That's awesome. 
Um, I had a few minutes there before. I am assuming practice rounds. He said he was down at the course today. Yeah, I would assume. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday practice. Well, they got three days to get ready get here. Program, yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, probably got a whole bunch of stuff going on. It's a, it's a cool tournament for sure. And I, I want to, you know, obviously nicknamed Long John, known for his drives off the tee. I wonder, you know, how much that higher elevation puts into that for him. You know, like being being a guy that drives it off the tee the way you know, he, the way that he does. Do you? What I wonder. I wonder if. Kind of like, you know how long drive competition nowadays mm-hmm. is, is pretty popular? Like, yeah. there are guys who just straight up mash the ball. Like, they don't even play on tour. They don't necessarily do rounds like that. Mm-hmm. But all they do is drive, and they do it like 350 yards. GVPD, you know that dude with the long hair? He came through Calgary. Kyle uh, Berkshire? Yeah, Kyle Berkshire. He came through Calgary. He did a few events. Uh, he's won long drive championships. Yeah, at least before. long ball on Lisa as well. long ball, of yeah. course. Lisa Veluswick. Uh, here in Calgary, who does a lot of great work, especially for ladies golf. Yep. Um, actually, that might be what they're doing today is the ladies pro. Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. that's on my My schedule's all turned around. <laughs> but the thing here is, I'm, my question is, like, do you think that given, you know, what we hear from John, you know, the competitive nature has mm-hmm. changed because he understands his age and all that type of stuff. But I wonder if he would have been intrigued, interested in doing long drive competition. Like, it's one of those things with even Bryson DeChambeau yeah. where people are like, well, why wouldn't he compete in one of those every once in a while? Because mm-hmm. he probably could. You can play on tour. Yeah. Like, Nothing says you can't do yeah, both. Yeah. <laughs> and for long drive, like, it's not like you have to keep it between the trees. Nope. You don't have to keep it on the fairway. You got to keep it on a grid. Yeah, but... It's like a football field. It's, like a football it's field, netted but. in. Uh, but it's yeah. different, right? Like, I feel like that kind like of hurts your to- game, though, wouldn't it? Like, it kind of did with Bryson. Yeah, I think it, I like he's I, definitely slimmed down over the last like couple of years, and now he's shooting fifty eight. Yeah, well, I think that it got to a point where it was like, listen, you, you can't just mash the ball three hundred and fifty yards. There's a lot of something other parts about the it. spin rate. Like you just can't control your ball flight at a certain velocity. I think once you get the club head speed going up like two hundred, what what do they always look for? Like the the long drive guys like to get it to like two thirty. Yeah, yeah, your, thing. your ball speed like over two hundred and some miles an hour is just absurd. But yeah. <laughs> I think John probably could have participated oh, totally in those, and I just think that given his kind of, but def- I mean, at his height, right? At his height, though, he was, you know, he still was a major winner. He was still pretty good on tour and everything like that, 100%. where he would have been, like, let's say, in the mid. But I wonder if they were more prominent if he might have been a little bit more, yeah. intrigued to buy it. Yeah, totally. I think maybe even more guys would have been intrigued if it was like propped up, if it was like PGA sponsored, like an All Star event, mm. like oh, we're having a long drive, like gonna, a home run derby. Yeah, like something like that, like a, like a, the night before one of the one of the big tournaments or something like that down in like Scottsdale, like the waste management like or before, something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, you go they to a top do, golf and just drive it. They should do it with the uh, the tour championship, mm-hmm. which is only the top thirty players. Yep. But what you do is you do it with all the other players who are not top thirty. Yeah. Okay. And you do it like the Wednesday before. Yeah. And you do like a closest to the pin, yeah. longest putt, give some money longest out, longest drive. Sure. Yeah. Give a little money out. You have to be in the top 70 to qualify for the All-Star Weekend, mm-hmm. but the top 30, you know, don't maybe. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there. Yeah, G- is it a terrible idea, GVP? 
We can workshop it. We can workshop. Well, it. I think there's a, there. I think there's like. I mean, it's kind of like in the way like how what Tiger and Rory's uh, indoor golf thing that'll be like the that this coming up. It's kind of like a yeah, like a mini type thing where they just be driving against a screen, and then there'll be like a miniature like mm-hmm. gr- pitching a uh, putting green or whatever in this arena that they're building out in uh, in Tampa. I think is where it's going to be or something. Orlando, somewhere in Florida, I think is where they're building that. Uh, yeah, I don't that think state. it's going to move. No, it's but it's going to be they hitting into a screen, and then you'll have like the putting. Mm-hmm. aspect of it so i think you know something like that but a long drive maybe because mm-hmm. i think there's so many more ways you can get golf like the players accessible to the to to, to fans and whatnot than just watching them on a uh, in a tour uh, in, a, in a round or whatever on a weekend or whatnot i think you can get them more accessible get them involved in in cool competitions like this and the way that the tournament is played like obviously they're in twosomes or threesomes or whatever mm-hmm. it ends up being for th- whatever tournament mm-hmm. So you get to see them kind of compete against whoever is in their group when it comes to drives and that type of thing. Yeah. But I want to just see like the five longest drivers on the tour all lace them up. And I don't care if one of you is the hundredth in the FedEx Cup standings mm-hmm. and one of you is second. Yeah. I just want to see what the five best drivers yep. can do when they all step up there and just say, I'm just going to let this thing rip. Yep. I don't need to keep it on fairway. Put on a par four or something like that. Yeah, if I miss a stroke here, I'm not yep. going to miss a cut, so I'm not too worried about mm-hmm. it. I just want a one-cork one. Yeah. And I want to see the same for the putts. I'd love to see Cam Smith in a putting competition. Yeah. I don't even know who would be able to go toe-to-toe with him, but I'm sure there's guys out there that could. I just think it would be kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Watch a little bit of an all-star skills competition. Yeah, it's kind of like the par three they do at the Masters the yeah. on the Tuesday or whatnot, or the Wednesday before the thing. But, you know, just spice it up a little. Change it up. People love seeing hot shots off the tee. They mm-hmm. just need more just, head-to-head just, stuff in general, in yeah. my opinion. Not even just oh, long head-to-head drive. head-to-head golf like, would be great. If, if they could somehow make the FedEx Cup playoffs like the last eight guys a match play event to, to see who... Mm-hmm. takes it home. I like feel a like Saturday-Sunday match play? Like you yeah. qualify Thursday-Friday? Like obviously, you have the point system to get you down to your, like, I don't know, let's say Elite 8 or your Sweet 16, and then mm-hmm. go match play bracket from there to see who takes it home. I think that would be super interesting. The tour seems to hate match play. Yeah, it's dumb. Which I, I don't, don't get, that. get because, like, it's the one thing that... Isn't this competition... I know you're competitive against the whole field, but like make it even more competition when you're competing against one dude and you're not worrying about anybody else. Exactly, and it, and it brings a little bit yeah. more interest into your groupings during the week. Mm-hmm. Like, There's a lot of times you're watching on a Thursday or Friday and you're, you're watching a grouping and you only care about one of the golfers because yep. the other two guys have already gone plus three on the front and yep. they're out of, the, out of contention exactly. already. And it's like, yeah, that kind of annoys me. Mm-hmm. I like when they're in the same group and they're going toe-to-toe and Buddy hits the drive. Mm-hmm. And Buddy also tries to match drive, but he's off in yeah. the woods, so he's got to try and figure it out. And I know that you don't get to see everybody finish their putts all the time, and you don't get to see the whole rounds. Mm. And I think that the reason they don't like it is because it's not good for TV. Because sometimes match play can end. Somebody's like, not doing well, and it's like, oh, God, we got to finish exa- this one guy. Like, exactly. why is he taking forever? Well, the thing yeah. is, and if somebody's <laughs> not doing well, yeah. you could have it done 12 holes in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like 12, I'm, 13 yeah. holes in, you can I'm be not, done. I, I can't catch you. With the, and now you have six. an hour of the back of your broadcast that you have to just That's what, fair. tap dance, fill space, mm-hmm. do interviews. Yeah, I think we're expecting... Post-game breakdown to the PGA is not the same of no. as other sports. No, no, no. I don't think I'm I'm here to watch much yeah. golf analyst stuff after the after the round. <laughs> yeah, like I'm pretty sure that's the only reason that they do a GVP, but that's... Yeah, the, like like when it ends quickly, obviously you're, you're going to run into some issues, but match play is even more relatable to the common golfer. When you go out and play 
a ma- you, when you open play a foursome with your friends, you're more than likely playing two on two match play. You're not playing stroke play against all your guys, unless maybe that's what you're into. But it, it's hard for the viewer to relate to a guy who's going to go out there and win a tournament at 18 under. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of get into a match when you see it's like, oh, with one up, two to play. Like, you know what I mean? And I just think it brings a little bit more intensity to every swing, right? Because you yeah. know what the other guy has done, and now you have to match it. And obviously, mm-hmm. like we were just talking about, sometimes you get a blowout and you lose the first four holes and see you later. But then sometimes you lose the first full four holes and then you win a couple back-to-back, stick a couple putts, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're right back in it and that thing is interesting again. But the point being, every single shot matters because you're watching what the other guy is doing. And yeah. that is what you're competing against. It's just hard to get into the East, like the Tour Championship, when like the the first place guy starts it. What does he start at? Like ten under or something yeah, like that. I think it's, it's ten under. Like like you, if you put a guy like Scotty Scheffler at ten under or John Rahm at ten under, they're just going to run away with the tournament. And it's just hard to get into. They'll be just protecting. Exactly. Like, they'll just be protecting. Like I'm not going to take any two risks. Just I got to make par. Lead. I just got to keep doing. Yeah, you just yeah. got to play smart. And you're you're a hundred percent right, GVP. Like. I'm not a huge fan of the staggered kind of playoffs. Like, I understand what they're trying to do and why they do it. But I just, there's got to be a better way. That's that's why I think you could do, like, a merge format. Because there is wiggle room beyond those, like, top 10, top 15 guys or whatever where Mm -hmm. stuff can shift. And then you can get to where you can get, like, a a 16-man bracket and kind of match play it out from there. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, because it gets to the point where the Tour Championship, you're like, yeah, the guys in the 20 to 30 rank, like they're starting either even or minus one. And yeah. like you mentioned. They're just going to take home, you know, a paycheck, and that's it for them for that weekend. One seed mm. is 10 under. And that's going to be John Rahm or Scotty Scheffler, if we imagine, unless buddy from last weekend, Lucas Glover, goes out. That's is, that, Keeps even, going. is yep. that even his name? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps going. Donald Glover is the other one. Yeah, yeah. That's childish. Don't mix that up. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> different. No. Yeah. Glover's um, going for three in a row. Yeah, he's going for three in a row, and he won last time. He he moved from 49th in the standings. Yep. Like he was going to be scraping into the BMW Championship. Yep. He wins that. He jumps all the way to third in the FedEx Cup He standings. legit sets himself up to win this trophy. He went from <laughs> not even being like a thought to. This guy's now won. He's now definitely getting to the BMW Championship. He could start at seven under par. Yeah, yeah, for the Tour Championship. Yep. He could start three strokes back of Rom or Scotty. Like, and that's where like this FedEx Cup. They make it up like this is a season long competition. Yeah. Yet a guy who just like decided to wake up and play golf in June has a chance to win the whole thing. Yeah, you can get points the entire <laughs> year, but yeah. the thing is, the first two rounds of the playoffs are worth quadruple. Yeah, like that's and like, each each event is only worth 500 points if you get first place. I get, but like, and I mean, like, uh, yeah, well, I guess that's like, I don't know. It's like, Rom and Scotty had unbelievable seasons, yep. and they both amassed just over 3,000 points in mm-hmm. the standings, but he got 2,000 for coming in first. Yeah. Like, the thing was, if Rom or Scotty had won that, they automatically essentially get first for Lights the final out. weekend. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not a fan of that, I don't think. I, I If you look at other, other sports organizations that do a point system, mm. usually racing, Something like that. Now, what if a Canadian yeah. wins on the BMW? Now, there you go. There is <laughs> Nick Taylor's going to, yeah. to a championship sitting at second. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Taylor or Corey Connors go ahead and shoot the lights out this weekend. Yeah. Because Nick Taylor and Corey Connors are right now projected the best to be chance, in the top yeah. 30. Yep. Uh, Connors is at 25. Nick Taylor is at 16 in the FedEx Cup standings. 
And then you got Adam Hadwin and Adam Svensson who need to have solid weekends to advance because they're ranked 37th and 39th. The Adams, mm-hmm. Hadwin and Svensson. Mm-hmm. So that'll be something that we... Uh, yeah, it'd be cool to out. see four Canadians definitely get out to, to Atlanta to, to end this thing off. You need to obviously have the Adams have a, have a solid round, get to the weekend. And uh, you know, finish top fifteen, top ten should probably get them to 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 Atlanta for sure. So, yeah, man, like I just I don't I don't like wins should be worth a lot. Yes, I agree, but I don't think they should be worth two thousand points that shoots you up from forty ninth to fourth. Mm. That's where I'm just like, yeah, maybe forty ninth to twentieth. Well, yeah, I I. Because like what you mean, he wasn't in any majors all this year, and I know that they don't really attribute. To, I don't know. Do the majors they get FedEx Cup points for the yes, majors? Okay, do. he didn't get any major FedEx Cup points. He's missed one cut since the end of June, mm-hmm. essentially, and he's been a top six every every tournament. So he's been playing really well. But then you get two thousand points for a win. I just I, that just doesn't make any sense to me. How you can just like you're, this FedEx Cup is supposed to be award season long golf. And how good Rom and Scheffler have been, though they have not been all that great of late. Mm-hmm. Consistent, yeah. You know, consistency should win championships, not random wins in playoffs. Yeah, it just feels like another thing that kind of needs to be ironed out. They got to tweak the system. But then again, the PGA has had uh, plenty of other things to deal with of late. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, that's obviously the playoffs. Playoffs is obviously not front of four mind, uh, the front of their mind right now. Obviously, with the the merger and, like, and everything. Frankly, going on. is this the last year of it? Could, Could it possibly be? be? Because we you're going to have a whole whack load of players that are going to be like, you want to like, you want to change, bring in the live are you system. Coming back from live. Yeah. Are you doing this? Are you doing that? How do you feel? I do. I do think there should be an ultimate trophy, an ultimate champion to the golf win, the golf season. I don't think it should be world number one or the most on the money. I think there should be a, a an mm-hmm. ultimate champion. But do we do we ultimately talk about the FedEx Cup winner in the same breath as we talk a Masters winner or a U.S. Open winner? Because people, I don't think really. Think of golf as a season and, and as a look of it as a guy like, oh, that guy won the 2022 feel... PGA season or the 2023 PGA season. They don't really think about it like that. Oh, Tiger won a FedEx Cup, but we don't talk about Tiger winning a FedEx Cup. We talk about his major victories. Yeah, and like the FedEx Cup, you know, founded in 2007 and has been around for just over yeah. 15 years. Yeah. Whereas these major tournaments have been around for hundreds. Uh, hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot so, more sense. Like, golf kind of got into this whole, like, yeah, we should have a champion. And I think they kind of got that whole mode, like, okay, well, NASCAR, F1, they, they, everybody has playoffs. Everybody has everybody playoffs. Everybody loves playoffs. Everybody loves playoffs and point systems and everything like that. But I think they've tweaked it so much and they, I don't think it just, I don't think it rewards season play. Mm-hmm. I think it rewards guys that just get hot at certain times mm-hmm. and win certain tournaments. I don't think it, because I, obviously nobody's going to play in 50 tournaments. It's just it's not feasible. You're gonna play in 25, 30 if you're maybe tops if if you're not one of the top guys. So I guess it is kind of hard like that to reward consistency because some guys will play less than others. I don't know. How many rounds do you think Lucas Glover has played this season? Total? Total. Uh this season. 110. Uh I meant tournaments. Oh, tournaments. Sorry. Uh tournaments, uh maybe fifteen. Well, 110 and 15, your numbers are wrong. No, I don't. Like, you were actually very close on your first number. Oh, okay. 26 events. 26. Okay, okay. So 110 rounds is 26. Okay. But he's only made 15 cuts, so half those he only played two yeah. rounds. So. Yeah. 
Uh, it's literally just two really good months has seen Lucas Glover do this. Yeah, he's <laughs> like you. You mentioned kind of the the last little bit for him. The yeah. the run he's been on these last six weeks. Well, he only has six top twenty five finishes all season long. Mm-hmm. He only has five top ten finishes, mm. but making it work at the right time of year. Yep. And here we have this forty three year old. Because I think like yeah, you like, turned pro well over twenty years ago. Late Apparently bloomer. the best golfer <laughs> on the face of the earth right now. He might even get like a Ryder Cup yeah, captain selection. He, Look, he's going to get looked at. Because like, now that they leave the Ryder Cup picks well, till after the season, and they're the, going to take the best of the best. And now that Justin Thomas has not been playing well lately. like Why wouldn't you ride the hot hand? Is that going to be the decision <laughs> that they have to make? Yeah, like Thomas is definitely on the chopping block. Guy didn't make for the playoffs. Sure. He hasn't, hasn't been great at all. And you need you just need a team to be hot for one weekend. No. You take the best of the best. Exactly. Nobody's like right as I said. Nobody's been playing better than Lucas Glover over the last two months. And this Ryder Cup team is going <laughs> to like the team Europe is going to be a lot closer in pedigree to the to what we saw in the last Ryder Cup or even the Presidents Cup. Like it's not going to be an absolute demolition like we saw out of uh, Whistling Straits mm-hmm. two years ago. So right now the top six for the Ryder Cup that would be qualifying just because of their points would be Scheffler, Wyndham Clark. Patrick Canley, Brian Harmon, Brooks Kepka, and Max Homa. So, and then they'd have to pick six more of, you know, Shoffley, Spieth, Young, Morikawa, and Bradley, and Burns, and Fowler, and JT, Lucas Glover. They're going to have some choices to make. Tony Finau, yeah. um, I don't know if he's going to make it this year, but nevertheless, Ryder Cup should be exciting. When is that? A couple months? month and a half? Something September like that? 29th, I believe. Yeah, right at the end, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um... All right, we will take a break. Uh, we got a guest coming up. We're going to talk some more hockey around the corner, actually. David Pignota from the fourth period is going to join us. We're going to see um, what he's hearing, how his summer has been. Mm-hmm. Get his predictions on the Pacific Division. We'll get into all that with David the fun division. The, the it fun division. Fun, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a tough division. I think there's six, five really good teams. Maybe four really good teams, five possible playoff teams. You know what I know about this division? Nothing. Eight teams total. There you go. <laughs> Sports on 960 The Fan.